0: Well, hello there and welcome to the pre-roll for ELL182. I think this is some good post-Father's Day music. This is like relaxing in a robe, drinking suburban, smoking a cigar, maybe taking down a little CBD. Because as you might know by now, we do have a little arrangement with our friends over at NorthSpokaneCBD.com. And they will be giving 15% off if you use the promo code LIONS. So you can go and get your sleep aids. You can go get your aches and pains aids. You can get some stuff to give to your animals should they have some aches and pains of their own. You can get your flowers. You can get your tinctures. Really anything CBD related you can get. And as I'm about to tell you, I'm going to go there my uh, my very own self because I need it. Ah, been a rough few days. And I'll let you know more about that in the episode. But anyway, I do want to thank people that uh, came on board, that joined our Patreon as I brought the call to Patreon Arms to Bear because John and I are both fathers. And I'd like to thank Helen and Piper for joining coming on board with our Lions Pride train, where you can get involved, help us out, whether it's a Father's Day gift or not, over at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. See you in the pride. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, everybody. Yeah, as you might have heard that intro. Last few days, not rough in any particular way. You know, I had a fantastic Father's Day, and happy post-Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. Happy post-Mother's Day as well, of course, that was a month ago. Oh, to all the parents raising good Liberty babies out there. It ain't easy in this world. We all know that for a fact. But yeah, for some reason, I just... God damn, I I go through these cycles where just I cannot sleep, and you know it's like, hey, ladies, make sure you're wearing a fresh set of panties out there for this dropper. Uh, Yeah, I wear a CPAP right (laughs) in the bedroom, as I refer to it as my sex helmet uh, for my wife, but um, because I just I was sleeping so badly and I just toss and turn all night, and you know I've got a little bit of sleep apnea, nothing. Crazy, You know, when I'm a very fit guy, well, I used to be very fit before COVID anyway, but a fairly fit guy. You know, I'm not crazy overweight or anything, but my throat catches. So I got the CPAP thing. I'm using that. Turns out doesn't really do shit. Um, you know, I'm still tossing and turning. I'm still waking up. I'm still, you know, once your brain gets going, drives you insane. So I am definitely going to be going over to CBD.com and getting me some of that uh some hopefully strong enough stuff to help knock me out a bit. And uh just pray that that works cuz it's been like uh like 5 days now where I just am going on, you know, a couple hours of sleep. I feel like I just had my baby again because I'm just not getting sleep and I'm just over it. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I tell you, it's amazing how highly I can still function on this low level of sleep, but it's really, uh, it's wearing me down. So that being said, my catchphrase probably going to be a shorter episode. Of course, I always say that it always goes over an hour, but probably going to be a shorter episode. But, uh, at the top of the show, I did want to, uh, answer, or I guess answer a request. Cause I had put out a call and it was answered, but of course with a caveat. And that was that I wanted to get a little bit more five-star reviews on our iTunes. And thank you to everybody that's been helping us out with that. Uh, I know John has gotten a bunch of people asking him questions. If you write a five-star review, you can ask us a question to address on the show. And we will do that as long as it's not going to be too, too long. And uh, a nice review was written for me asking the question, what would be my best argument and my uh, worst argument. I guess, what would be the best argument for intellectual property and what would be the best argument against it? And it just so happens that I actually was on a panel. Again, COVID just ruined my life. I was supposed to be on a panel in Europe. I was supposed to fly over to Europe and take part in a week-long roadshow of panels based around free market and liberty. And of course, that all got canceled all the flights got canceled and everybody was locked down. So instead, what we did was a virtual free market roadshow where it was a panel on uh, free content and the impact on culture. But within that was a discussion on intellectual property. And oddly enough, it was interesting because... I'm talking to these f- other free market proponents, right? Uh, ostensibly free market proponents, and there's you know one woman who was an artist, who's was a conductor. Um, there was uh, you know a professor here in the United States, and he was actually you know arguing more among, along my point of view. But intellectual property came up, and I'll tell you what my argument is for it, and this is this is probably the one that I think you know you, it's hard to mount a great defense without really going deep into breaking down why and how um the research and development process is so broken in america especially with the fda now like i said i'm going to keep this short but i do think a very powerful argument for intellectual property and for patenting would be that when you have something like the drug industry uh, or even technology for that matter you can argue to say look People aren't going to research, they're not going to bother to research and develop very sophisticated uh, drugs or technologies that require millions of dollars of infrastructure, millions of dollars of technology, millions of dollars in talent acquisition on top of years of uh, trial and error, and then finally going through and spending millions of dollars trying to get FDA approval. Now, of course, as libertarians, we know that a lot of this, a lot of these barriers put in the way that would drastically, drastically lower the cost of doing research and development in any industry is eliminating regulations, eliminating the red tape, getting rid of the FDA uh, and allowing people to go to market. And basically, uh, I know Joe Jorgensen is big on this, is running on – Having to prove safety for a drug, not efficacy. So not having to say, okay, it does everything that we say it's going to do in this exact manner," but saying, look, it's safe and people can decide whether or not they want to believe us and and go ahead and use the product. So- that would be the argument for intellectual property: is that if people are not going to get the benefit of having that research and development protected in a legal in a legal manner, so that they can recoup costs and then make a profit, you are disincentivizing people from going down and making that uh, that leap of faith as an entrepreneur or as a large company looking to research some of these drugs. And that can become more pronounced when you get into something like orphan drugs for rare diseases, where you only have a very small portion of the populace uh, that might be interested. And God, I'm going already to way too long, this goddamn answer. And having worked with healthcare marketing companies before, I know that uh, there is a, a huge incentive to do orphan drugs because you get to leap the line that the FDA has set up. So if you go and say, okay, well, we're researching orphan drugs, you can get a special permit, you can get ahead of the line, ahead of everybody else that's doing these other drugs that are broad market-based, it's a whole racket. So there you go. That's, that's what I think for me uh, would be the, the greatest argument. Um, The arguments against, though, I think are are fairly prolific as well. I think the the best one for me is that when you bring in intellectual property, just like with every other form of regulation, right, we look at banking regulation, we look at technology regulation, anything, it always harms small businesses, it always harms entrepreneurs at the expense of, uh, or uh, let's say, as opposed to the larger companies, because large companies have armies of lawyers, they have money at their disposal, so they are more than happy to say, oh yes, please, IP it up, patent laws, and in that regard, they're able to put blockades up to the other businesses, because they can come after you if there's an affiliated product, they can go put you out of business, not because they're right, but simply because they have the money, they have the time, they have the power, they have the resources to come after you. Uh, Whereas you probably don't have enough to fight it. If you're coming out with a new concept and Google says, oh no, we already thought of that one, are you really going to go after it? Are you really going to be able to fight it? Hopefully, yes, but lawyers cost money. So it's getting rid of a lot of the gatekeeping as well. You know, intellectual property in the current era. Uh, especially with the content creation, is eliminating gatekeepers. And as, as of right now, the government and intellectual property is one massive gatekeeper stopping innovation, stopping people by virtue of saying that, again, whether they're, not, whether they're directly related, competing technologies, or tangentially related, because people often will file patents for garbage. And then when somebody actually comes through with the idea that was quasi-related to theirs, they say, oh, well, I've, I filed for that. So now you have to pay me out or you have to go out of business. So, I would say that's the most powerful argument against it, is that it absolutely stifles competition, it stifles entrepreneurship, it stifles innovation, because you have people that will happily be patent trolls that are uh, more than happy to bring up legal issues and come after you when they know that they are in the wrong, but by virtue of the fact that they have the power to do so, they are enticed to do it, and there's monetary reward for them at the end of that rainbow. Okay. So, there you go. Thank you for your five star review. Much appreciated. And um, yeah, if anybody else out there wants to give us a nice five star review, a very brief, even though I went way over, (laughs) uh, a brief question that you'd like me to answer, uh, an AMA, if you will, to go along with your five star review, I will welcome it and answer it. Um, Okay, so jumping into this show. As you may have seen, as you may have witnessed by looking through the media, newsmania Mania has once again taken control of the country. Now, I mentioned the anti-lynching bill and how, you know, idiots and assholes were attacking Rand Paul for trying to push back against some of the hate crime legislation that was going through with this anti-lynching bill, uh, which again, lynching, already a crime. Already a crime. Killing someone's already a crime. Lynching is already a crime. This whole thing is just smoke and mirrors political games. But... We're now seeing, as we do with any heightened period of racial awareness, that all sorts of fake news reports are coming in. Now, one I saw uh, specifically—I'll give two examples that that were really running through the uh, the news cycle. One, as reported by the Associated Press and also Reason, picked up the story, is that in Oakland, uh, a very—I'd say—Oakland, a pretty diverse city, right? So, Oakland, California. Had a park that had some equipment set up, and then on a tree, it had some ropes hanging down that someone had reported as nooses. Now, there's a clear picture in this Reason article of these nooses, or if you actually, I think it's if you click through past, no, no, it's right here. There's a clear picture of it. They are literally ropes, colored ropes hanging from a tree and they don't have the traditional noose knot tied to them, right? When you think of a noose, you think of a loop of cl- a loop of cloth, a loop of rope, whatever it might be, hanging in that nooseman's fashion, you know, wrapped around in, in several uh, loops around above the, the main hoop. That's a noose, right? It, it's immediate and incontroversial vision in your mind. What is portrayed in these pictures are not nooses. They are ropes that have PVC piping in them so they look nothing like a noose and, in fact, look like trapezes. Yet, despite this, despite the fact that they're clearly fucking either the most racist trapezes ever made or designed to be used as swings or exercise equipment, the mayor of Oakland, a... Do I need to say a white Democratic mayor? I probably don't. But yes, the white Democratic mayor, Libby Schaff, has now opened a hate crime investigation into a man who put them up. The man is black. Victor I'm Sengbe, S-E-N-G-B-E, Sengbe. Uh, he is black and told KGO TV when pressed on it, that's a local TV station up in the Bay Area, the ropes are part of a rigging that he and his friends use as part of a larger swing system. And he showed a video of them using it, literally like going through kind of like an American Ninja Warrior thing. Hundreds of people use it. Thousands of people walk by it every day. Nobody ever thought that it was a noose. Yet, the mayor, she doesn't give a shit. Here's what she had to say. Quote, Intentions don't matter when it comes to terrorizing the public. It is incumbent on all of us to know the actual history of racial violence, of terrorism that a noose represents, and that we as a city must remove these terrorizing symbols from the public view. <laughs> now, as I said... Unless this city has been through a a horrible, harrowing event where trapeze artists were running through the streets, burning down buildings, spray painting everything, and going in rampant looting and mass destruction sprees, uh, in addition to calling in bomb threats and whatever else they might have been doing, unless the acrobats were to blame for all the ills of society, uh, I don't see exactly how having things that are clearly trapezes and swings is tying in in any way to racial violence or terrorism. This woman's a moron. But you see, noose mania knows no bounds. And now this guy, this black man who tied up these clearly trapeze looking devices is now facing a hate crime investigation. He may have to lawyer up. Hey, theme, lawyering up because a a giant entity's coming after you. So he may have to lawyer up and defend himself. And I don't even know how much taxpayer money wasted. I mean, it, it, guaranteed, if it's lawyering, if it's bringing in you know, a, a team of people to investigate this, you have cop costs, you have lawyer costs, you have you have all these other people getting involved. Conservatively, let's just say $100,000 to investigate this nonsense. But wait, that's not all. Because an even bigger story that just came out just recently, just this past weekend because NASCAR is still running and still uh, and has reinstated races, even though I think there's no crowds in the uh, in the audience anymore, but anyway, so they had their race in Talladega right at the Talladega Super Speedway, made famous from Talladega Nights, a very funny movie, so they had their race right but in the run up to this, Bubba, was it not Bubba Watson that's the, <laughs> Bubba Wallace sorry Bubba Watson is the uh, the golfer Bubba Wallace, who is the only African-American or black driver in NASCAR was assigned to a garage. They get to the garage and there is a quote unquote noose hanging in the garage. Right. So of course, NASCAR makes a big deal of it. Bubba Watson makes her God damn it. Bubba Wallace. Sorry. I don't watch my NASCAR. No offense to those of you who do. However, you may take offense at the following statement about to make that NASCAR is for imbeciles and it's a stupid sport to watch. Thank <laughs> Sorry, I might lose listeners over that. I hate it. It's idiotic. Now then, moving on. So Bubba Wallace's garage had this news hanging down. And it was hanging from what? Ah, the door to the garage, which happens to be a pull-down door. So NASCAR says, oh, we're really looking into this. We're going we're gonna to do a thorough investigation, Right but they're also going to do a giant movement of solidarity, right? So all of the NASCAR drivers came together and pushed Bubba Wallace's car to the starting line, right? To show that they're all together and they all support Bubba Watson. Uh, God damn it, Bubba Wallace. They all support Bubba Wallace and they're uh, they're not racist in any way. And NASCAR's not, because of course NASCAR also banned Confederate flag, which are very popular, seeing as NASCAR is predominantly Popular in the South, and of course, a lot of Southerners still view the Confederate flag as less a symbol of racism and more just a symbol of, uh, I don't know, Southern pride. I'm not going to comment on that any further. make you know, I don't know. however you feel about that, you feel about that. Whether it's racist or not, you can make your own presumption, uh, I, although I think a lot of the time it is not founded. Now, they all show this support, right? And of course, NASCAR, which is itching, in this current era to show that it is so unracist really goes over the top, right? They bring the FBI in and they're doing all this shit. Okay, great. And they find, after all this research, and the FBI has now confirmed their findings, which of course the FBI didn't need to do because internet sleuths pointed this out two days ago as well. Oh, they found out that that noose has been there, that quote unquote racist noose had been in the garage hanging there since at least... November 2019 at the very least that's, that there's a clear picture of it in 2019. And guess what it was? Guess what this noose was that was hanging down from a pulled down garage door? If you said out loud, I hope, that's not a noose, that's just a hand pulley to bring the garage door down, that probably you got some weird looks from the people next to you in your car wherever you're driving. But you would be absolutely correct. Yeah, some clever person figured out that if you tie the rope up and knot it, that it's much easier to pull that garage door down than just trying to grab onto a rope that doesn't have a knot on the bottom or doesn't have any hoop for you to put your hand through. Thanks, FBI. Thanks, NASCAR. But we got treated to a bunch of noose mania over it. We got treated to NASCAR going out of its way and seeing this as the perfect opportunity to show solidarity and to decry racism and to make sure that everybody knows that they are on team good. And like I said, you see this shit constantly. I remember the Donald Trump when he came into office and all the hoopla about college campuses and that there were nooses on college campuses. Of course, all of those turned out to be bullshit as well. It turned out to be examples where a a Korean exchange student was doing an experiment and ended up tying something from a tree, which was holding a bird feeder or some shit like that. And then he took it off and the the hoop was there. And again, these things aren't nooses tied in the way that nooses are even tied. Like I said, when you think of a noose, you think of a very, very specific knot. None of these things are fucking nooses. They're just hoops tied in rope or tied in string. And people go, oh my God. You know, it's like, I, th- I think it was, it's gotta be a couple of months back now, but God, there's a story of a guy, I think it was at like a Ford plant or something, a guy that had worked there forever and he said, he claimed that he found a noose on his desk. Again, they interview, you know, examine that, go into it. None of these things are racist acts. But as I was discussing when JB was on the show, if you go looking for racism, you're going to find it. Whether it exists or not, you will find examples of racism. You'll find somebody doing something that you perceive as racist. Like the guy last week I was talking about who had his hand cracking his knuckles out the window and made the fucking troll white symbol power that 4chan uh, 4chan convinced the media was white power, which is the okay symbol, and a guy gets fired because of it. Because some jackass reports him for being racist to his employer. I mean you're seeing people go to the utmost lengths to find and and amplify things that in any other era you just walk by and you wouldn't think about it at all but because the media because the like every single aspect academia uh, the mainstream media our politicians at least on the left side of things are yelling at us that we are a racist culture that everything out there is racist people are going to perk up and not only that, but because of the social media that we have now and the cancer that is social media, people are more than excited to share these things and statement of fact. This is a racist thing. This is a news. This is whatever it fucking might be, because they know that by doing that, they're going to get all the virtue signaling army of jerk offs to share that and repost it and blow it out of proportion. And then they're going to sit back and they're going to get adoration washing over them. You know, it's like a massage of, of a thousand little thumbs ups all over your body. So, of course, like anything, the reward is popularity. The reward for that is all of the oohs and ahs of the other virtue signaling people in the world that just applaud them for bringing this heinous act of racism to the forefront so that it may be expunged or punished. And speaking of that, you know, Robbie, I think it was Robbie Swove or Sove, whatever you say his goddamn last name, over at Reason but also pointed out an article in the Washington Post, which I basically, I refuse to pay for it, obviously. So I read uh, my two articles a month on there and uh, typically shaking my head in disgust at what a a charade the paper has become. But I was reminded once again that I should not even bother reading anything from the Washington Post ever again because of a story where two people were at a Halloween party last year. Last year year. And they contacted the, the, I don't even, I get I'm trying to figure out the genesis of this fucking story. I I guess they somehow contacted the Washington Post to talk about how a woman who was, by the way, well-intentioned, but intention doesn't matter anymore in this world, right? In cancel culture, intention doesn't matter. Uh, Neither does the intention or the factual basis or anything. It doesn't matter. We're we're in a a fact-free world now. But this woman sees Megan Kelly, right? Megan Kelly was famously fired to the tune of a $190 million payout or whatever the fuck she got, got lucky broad, but she got fired for defending blackface. And her defense of blackface, I thought was a fairly rational one talking about how, and maybe this is just, maybe this is me reading commentary, but it was essentially what she was saying was that it's ridiculous to say that all blackface is wrong and that, if a white girl wants to go as Moana or something like that, or, or as uh, I'm trying to think of the black Disney princess's name that was in the Frog and, uh, and Prince movie, I think I don't know. I just had my daughters. So I haven't gone through the Disney catalog yet. But if you want to go as a, a princess of color, then you know you should be able to do that. Now. I don't know. I probably still wouldn't let my daughter put on blackface and go out, you know, but I'd definitely allow her to dress up as Moana, which again was taboo this last time around, even though lots of girls didn't care about the color of the character, they were embracing the culture of the character, embracing the character uh, and the virtues of that character. But this woman, she shows up making fun. And this is the fucking irony of this. She shows up this Halloween party that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it was a Washington Post cartoonist was hosting a party, and this woman showed up. That's how it got th- into the Washington Post Lexicon last year, though. So this woman shows up in blackface with a name tag that says Megan Kelly. Now, of course, the woman is showing up thinking everybody's going to have a good laugh at this conservative imbecile since they're all in their lefting, left-wing bubble and that people are going to adore her. Wow, what a hilarious take. What a meta take by wearing blackface and saying you're Megyn Kelly because Megyn Kelly's a racist who likes blackface. Ah, we all get it. Except that's not what happened. What ended up happening is that they ganged up on this girl. One of the party guests ended up screaming at her and shaming her. And then she left in tears. Even though she said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean I, I was trying to make fun of this character and... You know, I thought people would get it and that I was trying to make fun of a racist, not be racist. Doesn't matter. The intent doesn't matter. And now I will grant you, this was a very dumb thing for this woman to do. I mean, very stupid. Probably not the smartest cookie. Regardless, though, how about you just give her a break? How about you tell her to go wash off the black face in the, in the bathroom, that that joke was a bad joke, that nobody appreciated it, and then let her go about her life? She learned a valuable lesson. But not these fucking lefty assholes, not these cancel culture fucking warriors. one of whom works at the Washington Post. And by the way, apparently, according to another story I read, the Washington Post cartoonist did not want to give the woman's name to the Washington Post reporter that was now writing the story up because they talked about it and they said, oh, well, we've got to cover that story, don't we? But the other asshole who was her friend and I guess maybe a co-host, oh, he had no problem with calling her out because it's good for racists to be exposed, right? Even though this racist, again, was on their side, trying to make a point, trying to be funny, coming to a party with friends who she thought were friends that went out of their way to ruin her life. She got fired. They wrote a whole article, a whole big article about this fucking harrowing experience. And there's my dog shaking in the background, being annoying. (laughs) They wrote a whole article on this harrowing experience. They had to share this with, with the fucking world. Of course, the woman got fired. Now, who knows if she'll be able to, to work again? Who knows who's going to hire her again? Hopefully somebody does. Hopefully somebody somebody with a, a quasi sense of humor, or at least some sort of human empathy, will hire this woman. But for the Washington Post to choose to cover that, they could have used a fake name for her to choose to include her name is just vindictive and evil. All right, let's take a real quick break, and then I'll be back to rant some more about this and a few other topics. You know how old Brian McWilliams starts his day? Well, I'll tell you. It's with a big old cup of coffee. Gets a lot of things done. Gets my brain moving. Gets my bowels moving. Causes some accidents on the dog walks. not going to lie to you. I drink a lot of coffee. I do that whole... Uh, fasting thing, intermittent fasting sometimes. I'll drink like four cups of black coffee in the morning, you know, because I don't want to be starving. I want my metabolism to go. Then go out on the dog walks, come home like four times. You know, I will start walking 50 feet, come home. You don't want to get too far from home base when things are percolating. But Point of this story, guys, is that it's got to be good coffee. If I'm drinking four cups of black coffee, I want it to taste good. I want it to be smooth. I want it to be rich. I want it to be high-quality gourmet style. And good news, our new supporters over at Lorenzati Italy. That's Lorenzati Italy, which you can find at lorenzati.coffee. I'll spell that out for you a little bit later. They're coming on. These are two libertarians who moved to Utah, found that they could not find a good cup of coffee to save their life, let alone a good Italian coffee or an espresso. So what they do? Well, using their entrepreneurship skills, using their libertarian uh, bent and mindset, they decided we're going to start our own company. We're going to research these beans. We're going to source these beans. We're going to import them from Italy. We're going to make sure that we create this fantastic product that people are going to embrace. Not only that, though, but they're also working with the equipment. They're working with the uh, the machines. They're helping entrepreneurs that want to start coffee houses by providing financing, providing instruction on how to use them, how to create businesses. Really an amazing libertarian business. And as supporters of this show, good news for you guys, you can use the promo code LIONS at Lorenzotti.Italy. Now, let me spell that out. That is L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I.coffee. That's the website, Lorenzotti.coffee. You go there, you use the Lion's Code, and you will get 10% off, but make sure you buy two tins, because if you don't buy two tins, you're gonna end up paying for shipping, and that just kind of ruins the entire thing. So you get two tins, you get free shipping, you get 10% off with the Lion's Code, And let me tell you, having just ordered it, it's delicious and also not that expensive. You'd think ordering this gourmet coffee, having it shipped to you would be expensive. It's not. It's the same cost as going to your local store. You're just getting better quality. So check that out. Help support a libertarian business. Help support our podcast. Uh, Welcome back. By the way, I think I forgot to mention, you can find all the show notes for today's episode if you're a new listener. And welcome. I know we do have some news listeners coming in. Uh, We've had a lot of new follows on Facebook, a lot of new additions to the forum. Welcome, welcome. If you want to join the Lions of Liberty Forum, by the way, just type in Lions of Liberty Forum in your Facebook search bar, and uh, we'll ask you a question, how you heard about it. Tell them good old Brian McWilliams sent you, and they'll let you right in. But uh, you can find the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL182. All right, coming back into this. So, cancel culture though, right? It just, it just keeps getting more idiotic. And and it also just the things they're canceling. It's not just people, and I'm gonna get to Jimmy Kimmel in just a minute. But it's not just people that they're being canceled, it's also things, it's cultural moments, it's statues, it's movies. I mean, there's an example. The University of Florida is, I don't know. Well, they're decent enough at football, right? But football is a huge part of their program. They're typically fairly high ranked. And the University of Florida had this whole gator bait chant, right? Where the people have, they kind of make like alligator jaws. And that's the thing. You're you're gator bait because we're the gators and you're the bait. We're going to come and eat you. So apparently... They chant this this gator bait after the band plays a tune associated with the chant, and it's like super recognizable. You know, everybody doing this big chomp chomp motion. Now, what's happened now is that ESPN reported that African American babies were used as alligator bait, according to the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia at Ferris State University, and they cite that the term quote alligator bait unquote was used as a racial slur against African Americans. Okay, so this may be true, right? I i mean, it's gotta be one of the most horrible things I've ever heard in my life. And I, it's honestly so horrible that I have a little bit of trouble buying that hook, line, and sinker that, they, that any animals, no matter how racist you might be, just see a baby and decide that we're gonna use this alligator bait. But I don't know, there's some fucked up people, especially in the past. But... One of the uh, the players, I think, had, and it's like somebody Lawrence and this article, for some odd reason, does not quote him because I, and I don't even know why, actually, because it's on Breitbart, the one I'm reading here. <laughs> and you'd think that you would uh, you would want to include the guy who created the chair. Anyway, there's some players pushing back, very prominent players, and they are saying that, look, we started this cheer this Gator Bait cheer back when they were, I think like they ranked fourth in the country or something like that. And maybe they won a championship. That's when it all started. So the prominent black players coming out and saying, this is insane. Your Gator Bait, you know, like we didn't know the connotation of it. It has nothing to do with alligator bait that you dug up from a very, very specific instance at a specific university's racial history museum, that isn't found in the cultural lexicon as a whole, and now you're canceling our ability to do this cheer, which is a big part of what goes on at games, a big part of bonding between people of all races, as sports tends to do, by the way. Another thing that sucks, no sports right now, so people are like, I mean, I can't tell you how many people of different races I become friends with cheering for the fucking Philadelphia Eagles. I honestly, I mean, it's like... Every race is in the bar I'm at. We're all high-fiving. We're all getting along. We all know each other's names. All hugging and crying when the Eagles finally won the goddamn Super Bowl. But now these assholes are going to say we're going to get rid of something that everybody enjoys, that everybody can bond over because of a very specific instance in the past, which, of course, like I said, I can believe it. I have a little bit of hesitation, but this kind of bullshit. Right, digging through ancient history and then applying a very specific moment in time to something that has nothing to do with it culturally and, in fact, dampens and hurts diverse peoples coming together. It's just, it's absolutely idiotic. So there's that, right? But then we also have these examples like aliens now. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Flash Gordon, one of my favorite movies. These are all actually uh, movies that I love. And I don't know, several others, right? They're all getting these trigger warnings. Oh, Aladdin got one. Even though Aladdin was made in 2019. I'm not talking about the original Aladdin, which God forbid, you know, had white people doing voice acting for uh, for Arabs in that movie. No, the new one is also flagged as inappropriate because you can't have a tail, right? Which I think the original Aladdin tale wasn't that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong here, but wasn't that originated in the Middle East somewhere? Wasn't it written by Arab cultures as a story about their own people? You know, the story of Aladdin and finding the lamp. And then it was just adapted by Disney. I don't, I don't know. I I don't get why this would have a trigger warning. I haven't watched the newest Aladdin. I don't know. I I just had no interest in live action remakes of fucking cartoons. I liked, although I would be in for a cowboy bebop remake in live action. Um, but now Sky TV, which is a big pay, you know, what well, Sky is a big TV channel in the UK. They've got their pay service. They've now put trigger warnings in front of, like I said, aliens breakfast at Tiffany's flash Gordon. I don't even know in flash Gordon, what the fuck they could possibly be talking about. Maybe sexuality aliens. They said they put a trigger warning in front of that because the woman who played, uh, I think her name is Vasquez in the movie or something like that. She's a Hispanic female Marine, right? Which I guess is kind of forward. When you think about alien or aliens, you've got a very strong female role, right? You know, groundbreaking at the time, uh, even though I was way long ago. You've got this tough-ass female Marine, but turns out she was actually a white chick. And I actually know her, oddly enough. I know the woman who did play this Hispanic alien uh, hunter, this Hispanic Marine, a very nice woman named Jeanette, and she has, if you're a woman and you're looking for bras, Jeanette's bras, she's a bra company now. Big, uh, big charity supporter as well. Helps out with the Glamour Gowns event for my charity nonprofit clients. But because of that, even though you wouldn't know it to look at her, you can't tell in the movie, I had no fucking clue until I met her. And I was like, oh, wow, weird. But well, they got a trigger warning for front of that. Breakfast at Tiffany's, they have a trigger warning because I guess outdated sexuality uh, concepts in that movie. God knows we already, we already saw what they did with Gone with the Wind, pulling it down and then having a philosoph- black philosophy professor do a, a whole diatribe in the beginning. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Applying the past to the present to ruin the present, canceling things in the present because of the, the happenings of the past, changing history. I mean, these are literally things, as I mentioned last podcast, that, jo- that Orwell warned us about in 1984. We're seeing them happen in front of our very eyes. And of course, you're never safe either. Never forget that. If you did anything in the past, even if it was a different time, even if it was completely accepted at the time, you are demonized forever. We're seeing that with Jefferson and George Washington. Never mind that they created this state, and, and never mind they created the, the country, never mind that they tried to put in the Constitution a, a level of equality. And yes, they own slaves, period, flat out. We used to think better of George Washington for freeing his slaves, right? It's just a little self-serving, but hey, at least he freed him when he died. That's something. it better if he didn't have them at all, but it's something. And again, you know, people take all historical context out of play here. Thomas Jefferson, who tried several times, was a slave owner, without a doubt. Had sex with them, without a doubt. But also made several attempts while he was in office while he was in the Senate, tried to make several attempts to get rid of slavery and was rebuffed every time. But he actually put it in writing. He actually tried to get this passed to free the slaves, to to make it illegal to have slaves. So he did a lot to try to forward the progress of equality for mankind. Uh, But of course, because he owned slaves, his statues must be torn down. This is the way of the world now. And Jimmy Kimmel is learning this lesson very hard right now. Because Jimmy Kimmel was on a show called The Man Show, which I'm sure many of you remember. I think The Man Show is hilarious. I loved watching it. I still think it's a great show. I'm sorry, but you know what? You're allowed to have a male point of view and you're allowed to laugh at sexuality. You're allowed to laugh at dumb things men do. You're allowed to look at the female form and enjoy that female form. And unless those women are being forced to do something, unless they're being coerced into doing it and held at gunpoint and Harvey Weinstein into performing and jumping up and down on trampolines, it seemed like they made out pretty well by, by being on the show. And I appreciated the humor on the show. All of the things that they did, I thought were just fine. Now, the one thing that, of course, is drawing the most attention now is a skit wherein Jimmy Kimmel was making fun of Karl Malone. Of course, Karl Malone is a massive uh, black man who played for the Utah Jazz, a potential Hall of Famer. I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame yet, but he played for a long time. They called him the mailman. And I don't know, Jimmy Kimmel did the sketch where he's just because Karl Malone had this kind of goofy way of talking is, I don't know, just kind of very stilted. And Jimmy Kimmel dresses up as Carmelo Malone and not just blackface, full black everything, right? I mean, it's the same as Eddie Murphy when he wore, you know, wore all white to go out on a Saturday Night Live or dressed up as a white Jewish guy and coming to America. Uh, it's, just, it's just one of those things that comedians could do before we decided that that was completely taboo. And this is something you see in the UK a lot as well. Like this TV show Little Britain just got pulled off. Little Britain's a very funny show. The leads happen to be two white guys who lampoon every race. They dress up as every race. They dress up as as every sex. They dress up as horrible white people. They dress up as horrible black people and Indian people and Asian people, whatever it is. They're lampooning whatever they're going to lampoon, but they're doing it themselves. And that's part of the fun is seeing them transform into these characters, which of course people, people tend to ignore that, that it's funny to see people try to adopt another character. Now, I'm not defending Jimmy Kimmel going and doing this character in blackface, but at the time... It went over very well. And this is maybe 15, 20 years ago. Because he's not making fun of black people as a race. He's making fun of one specific black man. Or I should say one specific man who happens to be black. And because of the jarring visual impact of seeing a white man as a black man, it does in fact add a little bit to the humor there. Because you're shocked to see it. And half of humor tends to be Seeing the unseen or getting hit by something you don't expect to see coming, it's, it just naturally jars you and kind of makes you chuckle. So because Jimmy Kimmel had this blackface sketch, though, and because apparently he said uh, the N-word several times pretending to be Snoop Dogg in a Christmas rap album he did even longer ago, I think in 1996 or 98, back when he was still a radio DJ, uh, they want to cancel him. Now, what makes this extra hilarious, though, is that Jimmy Kimmel has for the past 10 years, at least since the beginning of the Trump era, maybe a little bit before that when they were trying to push against Obamacare, right? He came out and had the crying thing for his son, but he's become a real advocate, a real activist for the left. He is, you could say, thrown himself upon the altar of leftism. And it would just, you know, I tweeted this out. You can follow my Twitter at Brian McWilliams, by the way, and at Lions of Liberty. Don't forget that too. But I tweeted this out that, you know, somebody should give Jimmy Kimmel a bumper sticker or a T-shirt that says, I knelt at the altar of leftism, and all I got were these lousy rug burns on my knees. Because the man motherfucking literally crawled down and accepted every doctrine that the left woke, you know, cancel culture Nazis had, had thrown out there. He's towing and reading all the Democratic points. He's attacking Trump the, as much as he can. He's pushing all for all sorts of the Democratic agendas forward. He's rallying with all the causes. He's got all the fucking Instagram things. He's got all the hashtags. Won't save you, Jimmy. Where are your friends now? Where are your friends now, Jimmy Kimmel? I guarantee one of them's still there. And he happens to be the only libertarian. And I'll, and I'll call Adam Carolla a libertarian because I think he, at, at his heart, is. That's the friend that's going to be there. All your other lefty friends are going to fucking ditch you. They're going to distance from you. They're going to they're gonna unsubscribe from your Twitter feed. All your producer friends are going to leave you in the dust because they don't want to be affiliated with this man who now is a racist because of a skit he did. Two skits, I guess. One 30 years ago and one 20 years ago. But I promise you, Adam Carolla will still be there for you. And you know what? I'll still be there. I'll still listen to you. If you want to go back, you want to co-host the Adam Carolla Show, I still think you're funny. Especially if you drop all the woke left bullshit. But that's an important lesson, my friends. If any of you out there have li- lately come around to wokism, look at this lesson. Teachable moment, right? The left likes to say, this is a teachable moment. They don't care. They don't care how many masses you've been to I don't care how long you've worshipped in the cathedral of leftism all it takes is one thing you're dead to them okay uh let's wrap this up as I said it's gonna be a little shorter episode I did want to talk about real quick um what <laughs> this is just too funny actually I was gonna do, I was gonna look at it it's going to go into my final topic, but I have to talk about this real quick. Uh, <laughs> Washington state's mayor, right? Of course, you know, Washington, uber, uber left, ridiculous Washington. Of course, Seattle, the, one of the more ridiculous leftist cities in the in the entire world resides in Washington. But the Washington's state mayor, uh, Cheryl Selby of Olympia uh, in Washington, a Washington state mayor, excuse me, not the governor. Cheryl Selby of Olympia was... Really on board with the whole Black Lives Matter protests. And then they came for her. I mean, it is literally spelling out the old adage, right? And then they came for me. So she was all in support of the Black Lives protesters. And then they came to her house and they vandalized it. Because just like Jimmy Kimmel, little Sherry, Cheryl Selby should have realized that she's still a person of power, she's still white. It doesn't matter, Cheryl. Antifa doesn't care. Black Lives Matter doesn't care. You're the enemy. It doesn't matter how many times you put up that that black square on your Instagram. You are the enemy to them. So, look what's happened. And now, of course, Cheryl Selby has has called the protest domestic terrorism. Quote, I'm really trying to process this. It's like domestic terrorism. It's unfair. Yeah, no shit. No shit. It is unfair. I doubt you're saying any of that when they were destroying other people's businesses, when they were destroying other people's houses, when they were smashing windows and looting and taking shit, when they were shutting down people's ability to get to and from work. I'm sure that you were all for it. But when it's your house, oh, that's right. Yeah, not so much. Not so much for it when it's your private property. This reminds me of that NBA journalist who was, you know, saying, again, the Black Lives protests were going on. And he's like, yeah, go get him. Burn Minnesota to the ground. Literally, he tweets out, burn Minnesota to the ground. Then he tweets out like, I don't know, a day later, he's like, these Black Lives protesters are at our gates trying to jump it over. Animals. (laughs) This is a black guy. This is a black NBA writer. Amazing how the worm turns, buddy, when it's coming after you. All right, how had to do that real quick. Now, final thing to wrap this up. Very sad. And this actually happened very close to where I live in Gardena. Uh, I live in Hawthorne. Don't stalk me. But uh, I live in Hawthorne, California, which if, you, if you're familiar with L.A. and you need a reference point, Hawthorne is uh, maybe three miles south of the L.A. airport. Okay. Gardena is about five miles uh, from the L.A. airport. So it's about a mile and a half, two miles from me. But an 18-year-old security guard was working at an auto body shop, right? Protecting it at night because Gardena is a little, it, it's not, a, a, not the worst area. It's getting better. Like everything around here is kind of getting a little bit better, but it's still up and coming. Still uh, some crime going on there. So they hire security guards, especially now because you don't know what's happening with protesters and everything. Like, shit, I told you, guys, my fucking cars have been broken into two times in the last month and a half. I think I told you. I said to secure, like, install a motion-detecting light to go on. It's fucking annoying as hell. But anyway, this kid, unarmed, right? He's just a security guard. He's there. He's probably got some pepper spray or something like that. He's there primarily just to make sure that if anybody tries to come and break in, they see him there, that he can call the cops, that he can videotape them or do whatever, right? Just chase them away. Having just the presence there is enough. But this kid, Andres Guardado, got shot at 6 p.m. after running from deputies in Gardena. And what the shop's owner has said is the police came up, they pulled their guns on him, and he ran because he was scared, and they shot him and killed him. Now, the circumstances leading into this was that there was a report of a man who, I don't know, roughly approximated his, uh, his look that had been reported as having a gun in the area. So these cops are looking for somebody that has a gun that, and again, it's just he's got like a good looking uh, Hispanic, maybe half Hispanic, half black kid. They're saying that first they thought he produced a handgun, right, and fled. So they chase after him and then they shoot the kid again. Shoot him in the back. Can somebody just like? can somebody post a note? Can somebody text the police and ask him to stop shooting fucking people in the back? Clearly not a threat. If somebody's running from you, just like the guy in the Wendy's, if somebody's running away from you, not a threat. Call in some backup. You've got helicopters. We see them all the time in LA. You've got your cars. He's on foot. How about you jump in your fucking car and you drive around the corner and you stop him? But either way, if this kid's just standing there doing his job, you don't jump out with your fucking guns drawn on him. Because anybody's going to run. I would run. You know, we talk about like I. I Odermatt went through. John Odermatt from Philadelphia Friday went through and he gave us, you know, his measures to improve how we can have relations to the police get better, how we can make and, and, and rein in the police state we're living in, especially where, where police are concerned when police reforms are needed. But I mean, God damn it, man. This is something too. don't get out and go at people. If you're coming out, get your fucking to the ground and your fucking guns are pulled. Of course people are going to run. Of course you're going to fucking inspire a violent or scared reaction. And now this fucking 18 year old kid's dead. Out there, gets out in the workforce, 18 years old, who knows if he was going to go to college, who knows what his story is. He's out there with the job, trying to make some money, trying to do something with his life, and now he's fucking dead. Because of bad cops. Badly trained, stupidly acting cops. It's inexcusable. Ah, By the way, speaking of Los Angeles, guys, if you're going to uh, be coming, or if you're interested in coming to the Los Angeles Libertarian Convention, yours truly will be the speaker for that event. And I'll probably do a little bit of stand-up comedy, uh, slang a few jokes, and then give a nice talk. uh, TBD. You know me. I mean, obviously... (laughs) I can just talk talk on uh, pretty much any topic for quite a bit of time. Again, f- short episode. Now I'm in 50 minutes already. Um, I don't know. I haven't decided what I'm going to speak on yet. I, I don't know if it's going to be what we've learned from this whole Black Lives Matter moment and how libertarians should react to it. That's one option. It might be talking about the police. That's another option. It might be talking about uh, what do we want to do moving forward as far as met- messaging going into this next electoral cycle. And if there's even a point <laughs> for libertarians, I think there is. Don't worry. I think there is. So that's TBD. But if you want to come, uh, you can get in touch. Angela McCardle is putting that together. A lot of you are familiar with Angela and uh, you can still buy tickets to it. It's going to be at my local sports Harbor, the bar that you hear me talk about, especially those of you who are uh, listening to de- degenerate gamblers on the pride, but uh, the gold sports Harbor is going to be hosting it. So Come on in, have some drinks, have some chow, listen to me talk, and uh, you can still buy tickets to that. Easily found, just, just Google Los Angeles Libertarian Convention. It'll pop right up. You can buy tickets. But I hope to see you there, and uh, don't worry. I'll be hanging out. I'm a I'm a drinker, so I'll come and hang out. I won't just boogie and uh, speak and, and peace the fuck out right away. Otherwise, uh, I don't think there's anything else I need to remind you guys of today. I think that's about it. Um, join the pride if you can, please. We'd love that extra pride membership coming our way. We like to have all of our pride members together. We're going to be doing a special show because some of our regularly scheduled broadcasts, like the aforementioned degenerate gamblers have been put on hiatus with no sports to talk about or gamble on. Um, but we're going to be doing a, a really fun show coming up, which was inspired. I'll give them uh, due credit by the Legion of Skanks. I was listening to their podcast, which of course uh, our bud Dave Smith is on and they had a great idea for a drinking game wherein the people on the podcast did not know the rules and the rules are the, did not roll the the violations, which would make them drink. And these are things that they often say in conversation. So it was doing an impression. It was being a misogynist or whatever it might be on that show. And, uh, then they'd have to drink, and they had a moderator which would say, ah, it's time to drink. So we are going to be doing that, but it's going to be a Pride-only show. So we're going to get all the lines together. We're going to have our members in the Pride put together the list, like 10 or 12 violations, and we're going to do a, a freewheeling Libertarians in Living Rooms drinking liquor podcast using these secret drinking rules, which we don't know about until they happen, by the way. That's the fun of it. We don't know what they are. The bride members are going to pick them and say, okay, what's Brian going to say? What's Rico going to do? What's Mark going to do? What's Odie going to do? And we will find out in real time when we are forced to drink just what the drinking rules are for that game. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope that you guys will join up. Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. And one last thing. Go and subscribe. I promise you, you will not regret it. Uh, If you want to listen to the brand new podcast I'm doing with John Odermatt and with our buddy Rico, we're doing a podcast called Bravo and Beer, and we're recording our fifth episode tomorrow, but we're just talking about trash reality TV. We're talking about Bravo shows, TLC, 90 Day Fiance, the guilty shows that probably your wife roped you into, and now you just enjoy because you become a a slug and a mental degenerate. (laughs) But it is very funny. And you get to hear a lot of our uh, our random stories as well. It's not, not pure reality talk. All right, that's going to do it, guys. Thanks for listening. Give me a five-star review. I'll answer a question. Share the show, please, far and wide. Tell a friend, and we would be much appreciative. So for me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.